Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, that's right. You're back into the mystery of parenthood. We want you to slow down. Y'all have been slowing down for a lot of months now. This is Thaddeus Romanski, your general manager of Red Sea Catholic Radio and the the fill-in host. The last time you got some new mystery of parenthood, I was on with Adam Earhart. It was great fun. Trey and Stephanie let me do that back in uh, May, I think it was. But as things are slowly reopening... Uh, and we're all trying to get ourselves back to normal. We are really excited to bring you today a new Mystery of Parenthood and the one, the only, Trey Cashin back in the studio today. Welcome back, Trey. Oh, Try to keep that Thank seat you. warm for you. Hope you everything did. looks in order. Oh, you did great. Take you it back. You did great. It's, it's, um, it's just been, it's been awesome. Um to be back in touch with people, I guess. And that's part of what I think we want to talk about today. But um, yeah, I'm very grateful for you uh, being here and doing what you do. And, uh, you know, and we'll get Stephanie back here. Well, we love you guys, and we're so, so, so happy to have you oh, on, very on excited. the air with us. I really am excited. So, yeah, it's tradition. Speaking of tradition, I guess we'll just go ahead and move into uh, the prayer, which I haven't prayed in a long time, so I'm actually You'll probably have to read it. <laughs> okay. I, I read it before, but I used to be able to almost do it without. But anyway, yes. let's begin with that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. Barnabas is when we're taping. Please pray for us. We need encouragement. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Yeah, hopefully this will be an encouraging one. And this won't air on, on this day, but we're taping on on uh, St. Barnabas' feast day. And Yeah, nice the, reference, man. He's the encourager. And um, hopefully this is encouraging. I mean, I um, I don't know about I'm it. encouraged that you're back in the studio. I love well, it. Well, hey, I'm encouraged that I'm here and that, you know, life is, I mean, I'm looking out. I guess, I guess it would still be empty. It's it's yeah. June, so, yeah. So, but it's it's a really empty parking lot out there. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so I I I've been thinking, you know, a lot of thinking. I, unlike a lot of people I know, and I'm grateful for it. I, I've actually been swamped at work throughout this because of what I do, and so I'm I, I am, I mean, I've been work, you know, not not as much recently, but for probably a month, I was working twelve, thirteen hour days. Um, that's not bankers hours, but <laughs> so I'm still waiting for those bankers hours to show up. And but, no, no bank holidays on Monday, no, right? But yeah, but um, but so I, you know, but but at the same time, there've been a lot of things that I'm sure people out there listening, you've had a lot of time to reflect because this is so out of the ordinary for so long that reflections i kind of want to just you know talk about and talk with thaddeus and and hopefully it's beneficial to the people who are listening about some of the things that i was um have been thinking about and um some things that i've seen but it it keeps resonating some this this i can still hear him but there was a professor this is kind of what i want to springboard off of there was a professor um 
named Douglas Bushman who who taught me um, when, when I was working my master's in theology, and he it's always struck me. He said, "Look, no matter what happens throughout life, if there are things that catch your attention, if there are things that get your attention, always see it as it's a call to conversion for you." Um, that that you can sit there and point fingers at everybody else and you can look at uh, this person's handling this wrong or they shouldn't be doing that or whatever. And that's, you know, it leads typically if, if I start talking like that, it leads to anger and frustration because there's not a whole lot I can do to change that. Mm-hmm. And I think his comment is important for us to remember that it's a call to conversion because ultimately – where we start with anything in terms of change has got to be us because individually, in other words, point back, I, I don't remember who told me this, but I mean, may have been him, but you know, if you point the finger at somebody else, there's at least three pointing back at you. And, and that, so that one pointing at somebody else, it sh- you should be looking back at what am I, mm. what can I mm-hmm. change? Mm-hmm. What can I mm-hmm. learn? What do I need to learn from this situation? And, I found that, you know, there's a lot um, that's happened that, that does, you know, that's, that has made that evident to me. First and foremost, I think, is, you know, I've always been a big theology of the body person. I think it'd be cool if we could get Monica Ashour on the show to talk about what this, is, what this has revealed about the theology of the body. But I think more than probably ever in my life, I realized how much being in the presence of another person, being in the presence of Christ, it was, I mean, hard to, <laughs> hard to get into a church, but, but, and that, that's certainly central to a Catholic view, but even notwithstanding that, the revelation that, you know, Zoom doesn't handle it, Instagram doesn't handle it, you know, Facebook, Facebook doesn't, live. Facebook, Facebook Live does not doesn't matter how great the content is. There's something about being in the presence of another person which shows that we're bodily beings. We're we're God created us to be in communion with yeah. one another. Can I can I jump in with yeah. a, a thought? Yeah. I remember that the um the lockdowns, for lack of a, a better term, used as a shorthand, those all happened, if you recall as Lent came to a close. Right. And I remember a lot of conversation around that time of people saying, well, this is the most difficult Lent ever, or this is certainly making this a more penitential season by having to go through that. And and the, the, the where I'm going with this, the church calendar in some ways helped to sort of soften the blow of what we were going through, or, right. or it gave us a way of, of understanding what we were going through and, and making meaning out of it. But then as they these restrictions continued some some cases even got a little bit more deep into and through easter that period of rejoicing in the church calendar of literally opening up by christ coming out of the tomb i mean the tomb opening up on right easter sunday that that was really hard that that actually made the um the loss of going to Mass in person, much more uh, palpable and and difficult to kind of swallow. That's when I first noticed it, maybe about the third Sunday of Easter, I remember watching Mass from from home with our family. And we tried to, we, you know, put out kitchen uh, table chairs in a row and tried to make them like uh, a pew. And we got, all got dressed in our Sunday best. And you know, we did all the Catholic calisthenics that go along with going to Mass. Um, I really, I really started to feel the the missing nature of being at Mass and being in the presence of others worshiping God uh, and being able to. Um, yeah, so I yeah. think that's just that that interesting nature of our. Catholic sensibility as tied to the church year even even had an effect on how we experienced this. Yes, yeah, so, so one of those things I think that's just that 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 struck me is for years I've always said, and it was more in concept, you know, how fortunate we are that we can just go to mass any any day. I mean, there's people that 
don't have the option to go mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. political constraints or or geographic constraints or whatever. Right. And and I've you know when I said that it was more like I said conceptual. Never honestly thought. I, I mean, it never crossed my mind that there would ever come a time when you could not go. And and th- there it is. So like in in the mass. Um, in the mass, we are in communion with the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in, in particular through the reception of, of the Holy Eucharist, of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But we're also in communion with all those people with whom we're, worship, with whom we're worshiping. And I, I, th- I think the loss of that makes, I mean, I don't know. For me, it made me realize we're meant to be that way. Um, and, yeah, it's really nice to think of, uh, can I still, with spiritual communions, which, you know, you all did it. I mean, the radio's done a great job of trying to teach people about that. And and it made me, made me kind of begin to realize I'd forgotten about spiritual communions. I mean, I... You know, I could go to mass mo- more often than than a lot of people, just because of the way my job work. I could I could make daily mass here and there, and all of a sudden I couldn't do that. And there is something about being human that says we're we're meant to be in physical relationship with somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's something lacking when it's just, uh, you know, it's just. I know. I mean, I know. I love my wife, and but but, or my friends, or whomever. But there's something about not being able to be in touch with them. So, even people who've died and gone before, I became more aware of the fact that the loss of my mother. I'd love to hear her voice. You know, I'd like to do that. So there was a lot of introspection with regard to, hey, maybe we all need to kind of realize that we're meant for that. And so it having been taken away, taken away from us is maybe a blessing because it's calling us to, to a conversion to say, I need to, number one, be grateful for the fact that we can go to Mass freely, be grateful for the people who I come into contact with, not be in such a hurry to go from place to place and, and, and be in the presence of whomever I'm in the presence of at that time. and. I don't know that for me that was I don't know a strong reminder of something that I that I I knew in 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 concept but I'd never really experienced that loss of that. And the flip side of that is even though I worked a lot the kids were always at home, you know, and I think in in realizing I spent you. You had to. I mean, um, fortunately, I, most of the time we like them, and I think they like. Yeah, them. mostly. <laughs> but but we we got to spend a lot of time at home. I mean, you, it's not like you could go out for dinner or do whatever. And and particularly early on, it was so confined that it made you focus on the important things. And I I, I haven't gone through the loss of a mother and a grandfather and people I was really close to. And and having some prolonged illness prior to that, I remember during those times, this sense of why does it take something like that to all of a sudden realize what's important? <laughs> it's like all of a sudden all the stuff that you thought was in the running here and there, well, this has been like a prolonged period of, wow, this is, <laughs> it is really important to be with the people not just to be in the presence of people in general, but like particularly being in presence and spending time with your family, which I think it's so, I don't know about you, Thaddeus, and I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I mean, at the height of the cashins, I mean, we're going to soccer practice here, volleyball practice there, you know what I mean? And, and, And you're running all over the place and you're never really together, at least as they got older. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going their own direction. And even when you're going with them, it was, it, it was often hurried or running late, whatever. And this made you slow down. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it forced you. You had no other place to go. Mm-hmm. It's not like, let's, let's go see a movie. No, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go eat at your favorite restaurant. No, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things that kind of, they're not a bad thing, but they kind of distract you from, you know, but that becomes the event instead of just being together. And so I think part of the blessing is a, a new realization, at least for me, and I think most people, if you think about it, of the fact that we're meant to spend time with our spouse, downtime, not 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 with some functionality that's got to be accomplished. Just hey, we're sitting here together. What do you want to talk about? I mean, absolutely. You know, and I and I found that that's that's happened. Being around the kids, you know, and then you know, part of the suffering too that that comes with that is the loss of contact with other people and having to deal with them, but, but being able to listen to them, their concerns, you know, with three seniors, um, they're particularly strange. Seniors in high school. In high school. Yeah. Three seniors in high school. It's, it's particularly strange because, you know, soccer season, which they're so looking forward to gone, uh, prom gone, graduation, almost gone parties that were planned in advance, moved back, you know, a month. And now when there would be a clear break around May 27th, if everything had gone like it is, is now extended another month. They still feel like they're kind of in high school, even though they're finished, but they haven't actually received the diploma. They haven't had the event. I'm grateful for that. But it's ex- there's, a, there's having to deal with them on what, how could God want this? I mean, how could this be something good? And for us as Catholic parents, I think it's really important to point out to them that there's nothing that God allows evil that's, that's a, the loss of a good. So what's a good? A good's being able to go to Mass. A good's being able to go freely and, and spend time with who you want, when you want. I mean, that, that's, that's a gift that I think most of us took for granted for, I mean, 54 or 5 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted to see somebody, I mean, you know, notwithstanding work or something else coming up or an illness, it was just, hey, it was a matter of working out calendars. It was working out calendars. There was no, there was no really, hey, can't do that. Yep. And then all of a sudden you couldn't do it. And how can that be a good thing? And we as Catholics got to remember that if God allows, so he, COVID 19 was not a God going, Oh man, I didn't realize this was going to happen. I mean, God knew it was going to happen, and in His in His will, He allowed it to happen. He He never wills an evil thing, but He'll allow something. And this is evil. We're we're meant to. I mean, we're meant natural, natural evil. It's a natural evil. We're meant to be together, and anything that's dividing us as a result of that is is the a- absence of a good that was intended. So it's an evil that's being allowed. And we as a people of hope have to remember from a Catholic perspective, if something evil, the, the greater the evil, the greater the good that God not only intends but will bring out of it. Right. So as bad as something is, we as the people of hope with a crucifix that we look at should be people that realize, hey, greatest evil ever occurred is God himself was killed on a cross, had, did not deserve it at all he suffered and died for us but on the other side of that three days later he rises from the dead getting back to easter but we have to have that hope the greatest evil ever perpetrated led to the greatest good that ever could be which opened up heaven for all of us so saint augustine many saints that that have been theologians have said any evil that's allowed by God is meant to bring about a greater good and that, in fact, he will bring about that greater good. It may take time, may take a lot of conversion from other people, but all this that's going on these days, we need to recognize this is, you know, if this is Good Friday, there is going to be an Easter Sunday. Right. And that uh, allowing of evil and that bringing about greater good from from any evil that's resulted, that's some elements of what we call God's providence. When we talk about God's providence, absolutely, that's, that's what we're talking about. But we have to we have to talk to him, and I think you know it's harder now 
But I think even talking to your kids about, so what, what good has come from this? Because there have been some things. For example, we just went on a vacation with, with unfortunately, we didn't have all of, all of my family with us, but, it, but, but two of my three brothers and all of my children and my daughter-in-law and all of my brother's children of the three, everybody, not in, including people who've been married, their spouse, all that kind of stuff, were all together. We were thinking about there's no way that could have happened because, like, my daughter would have been working. Mm-hmm. And this person would have been working, and and it, it was a it was you know said it was a COVID nineteen blessing because it allowed for all of us to come together it, at a time that we know we could not we could not have worked that out. So that's a small blessing, but at least it's pointing to the fact that okay, sometimes good things do come from awful things, not sometimes. Typically, they're always going to, but even in the short term, even during the bad time, there can be good things that come from it. And I think that that's really important to point to a couple of things. God doesn't will evil. He doesn't. He permits evil, knowing because he's providence, meaning he's, he's all-powerful. He, I mean, he, he knows how to orchestrate everything. He can take any evil <laughs> that's out there and somehow— by his grace, orchestrate things to where a greater good comes from it. We as Catholic parents need to teach that to our kids because that's not being told. It's all, Eve, that's where you get a lot of the stuff that's going on now is just this sense of hopelessness. So people react violently. They react against something and they spend their energy fighting against somebody instead of, as a good Christian, we should be pointing back at ourselves. What can I change? What, what is my little piece of this that I can do? And part of that piece as a parent, I think, is to make sure that your children at least begin to recognize, hey, there's some good things. Daddy was home, or normally he'd be working, mm-hmm. or we were able to, I mean, whatever, whatever those things are, point those out and thank God for the fact that that happened as a result of this evil. We're still praying against the evil. We want it gone. But in his providence, we accept, we accept that God's in control, and he's a loving God. And if it's happening, no matter how bad the occurrence is, it's happening because he's going to bring something better out of it. And I, I think that's a missing thought often. It's certainly not something that's out there in, in mainstream media or, or anything like that. Well, you, going back to your your kids, your ones that are graduating, and you talk to them about looking at this um, event that they've been through and trying to find the good. What what have they come up with? Anything that you can share on the air, or are well, they still yeah. are they still trying to? They're still. I mean, I, they, I've been very I've been very impressed by how well they've handled it. I mean, not that there hasn't been tears or I can't believe or whatever, but um, but I. I think that we've grown closer. You know, other things happened. I, I, other things has happened. It's not perfect. I mean, there have been some things that I think had been swept under the rug, whether they see this as a good or not, that between siblings mm. that came to a head because there was no place to go. They were on top of each other. They were on top of each other, and there were issues that were there. And again, while it's not a good thing in terms of maybe that animosity or the, the you know the disagreement it's not that pleasant leads. it's not pleasant it's something that at least came out the truth was the truth came i mean it came out and there's a tendency i've i, I mean I think for in a human tendency to um in the interest of peace and from a human perspective to avoid Things and you can go through life without ever saying something that maybe needs to be said or without allowing something and and this has made things made people have to stay in contact with one another. You know, I've heard sadly that people think that this is going to lead to you know more divorces because you know because of husband, but but I I think on the flip side from a from a because they're having to spend time together, they don't really like each other. I honestly think there's a great 
opportunity, and I bet you might find that there, there are marriages that become stronger as a result because, hey, I actually really like this person. Right. I mean, I, I love them, but, but I like them. And, and there may have been some tension. There may be some things that have to be worked out that would have just been swept under the rug because I'm, I got to go to work or I got to go do this. And, and I think that that's can be a good thing. could be unpleasant. Like you said, um, you know, I don't, I, I think that what they do is they appreciate now the time that they do have with their friends. Mm-hmm. That it's not taken for granted. I think there's decades of people, myself included, that probably never truly appreciated being able to just freely see a friend. Yeah. I mean, now to go spend time with friends, you can, there's a, there's a level of joy that that wasn't there before. Right. And that's a good thing. I don't know whether they would articulate that, but I can see it. Um, and they're, and they're taking time to be with each other, not watch TV. They're going, they're going to, you know, rollerblade or do something, you know, that's just, them talking and being together with each other I, you know I, it's just changed I think the way it, it was do going. they also have a so do they have a better appreciation for the um, for the three-dimensional people as as Stephanie likes I, to I think say? so it's a this is I mean you know Stephanie always we joke joke about it for those who haven't listened for the she always says okay we got to turn everything off you got to go play with the three-dimensional people and I think because that was so taken for granted, you know, they're like, oh, okay, you know, get off my phone, get off of playing this, doing whatever. You know, now they realize, hey, three-dimensional peoples are important. I mean, they, I mean they've experienced There's nothing that. like it. There's nothing like that. I mean, particularly if you don't have it, but, but when you have never had it taken away from you, mm-hmm. which, I mean, who has? I, I mean- until this, so few people. I mean, I've never experienced this. I'm like, y- y'all are going through this. I have nothing to. I have nothing as a parent to tell you other than what I know to be revealed by God about certain things. But I mean, in terms of like, like when I was younger and this happened. I mean, no, there was uh, <laughs> the the watchword in our family. The first four weeks was just take it one day at a time. Just and, take it one day. And at so a time. that's another. And that and honestly, that's a very I think Christian way of looking at it because we don't have anything promised to us. And I think we can get so caught up when everything's going fine and what's going. It's another lesson that we don't know, particularly when death is, you know, I mean, death has become more evident. You know, it's broadcast that people are just dying. I mean, it was always happening, Mm -hmm. but now you're, you're hearing about it and you're in other countries seeing so I think there's a greater awareness of the fact that we don't have tomorrow promised to us. So the best we can do is live today. And I've, you know, this is actually standing back to when, when Kingsley, um, and we all do this, this is not COVID related, but I think it kind of springboards off of, off of this is that, that the now like what the now is is probably the closest thing in this world to what eternity is because it is now right and God's the eternal now so we so we have to stay focused in where we are with whom we are and the circumstances in which we find ourselves mm-hmm. instead of always trying to get okay we just got to get through this we just got to get beyond it and while we do have to have both an eye on the future if we don't, if we're not careful about looking at how do we handle now, the great saints, you know, they always say like Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta, you know, and and John Paul II, everybody I ever talked and was I never was, but was in the presence of them, said they always made you feel like you were the only person in the room if they were talking to you, and I think that's because not only do they recognize Jesus in the person they're talking to. But they recognize that this is exactly where I'm meant to be at this moment. So I need to invest myself completely in what's in front of me. Right. And right. I think <laughs> because of all the options that have been taken out of our 
repertoire of things that we could be doing. I mean, the things, I mean, think, I mean, we, there's no sports. I mean, who'd have thunk? I mean, there's no sports. There's no church. I mean, I mean, church services, there's no gathering, you know, the, I mean, there no is. Groups no groups and activities. No groups and activities. There's no little level. league. There's no yeah. whatever. And all of a sudden, all you got is now. I mean, you can try. And the other thing is, is that unlike a lot of things, nobody knew, like, when is this going to end or when is it going to change? So there was no like, okay, we just got to get to this date. I mean, it's been something that's unfolded. There's a lack of certainty about the truth. Makes you uneasy unless you see now is the point of where I've got to be. And I think so. There's so many blessings, I think, that I'm even just as we're talking, realizing that's part of it. The, the fear is about the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Yep. Am I going to get my job back or when is this going to end? How long are we going to have to do this? Or regret when, about the past. Or regret about the past. You know, right now, mm-hmm. this is where we are. Just the other day I was reading something, and I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to attribute it to the to the saint who who wrote this. But it was reflecting on... God revealing his name to Moses, that I am who am. Right. And this reflection on that was just about this, in that God said to Moses that his name was not I was. Right. So I'm not the God of the past. Right. And my name is not, he didn't reveal his name as I will be. He's not the God of the future. He said, I am. I am the God of the now. That's what we we have to hang on to that, that the very name that God gave to Moses and revealed his name to be is present tense. And, and that's so critical. It's people like, often you can go by, you know, he says, I am. You know, I am who I am. Jesus says it in John, you know, in the garden and in other places. They say God said it enough to kind of point us to the fact that it's that. So when I, the way I use that as a parent, you know, she was she had she had, was playing soccer, and she missed a penalty shot, <laughs> and she was devastated. And I said, "So what were you like? So you're there. Tell me what's going through your mind. Well, what if I miss?" <laughs> and I said, "Okay." See, the closest you can be to God in that moment is to say, I, I can't worry about results or anything. I can say, I, well, all I can do is do now as well as I can do now. And that if you do that, that's not easy. But if you can do that now, now, I'm washing dishes. I'm about to kick a penalty kick. I got to do the yard. I got to balance my checkbook. I, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're supposed to be doing, if you invest yourself fully in doing that, again, uniting it with Christ's sacrifice of the cross, but that that's the closest I think you can get to God at any time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I try to talk to my children about, and, and God knows I'm talking to myself too when I right, absolutely. <laughs> teach these lessons. That's part of the mystery. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's accurate to say that the Lord doesn't want us to think about the future. That's no, not right. No. He doesn't want us to worry about the future. And planning for the future is a lot different than worrying about the future. And Absolutely. I say, you know, look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He saved the people of Egypt because he helped them to plan for the future, that he helped them to plan and prepare for those seven years of famine by having the seven years of plenty and taking advantage of that. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to plan for the future. I haven't found a, and then I think with the past, it's, you're supposed to learn from the past. Right. You know, you're not supposed to have regrets about, about it necessarily. Yeah. So, so I think it's, I think that's, that is the, that is the, um, I, I I think I'd love to hear like Monica and, and your thoughts about this, but I think that what 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 the issue is is there's there are two parts to being. One of my favorite quotes is not scripture. I don't even know where it comes from, but but is you know um, 
it is vision without action is a daydream. Mm-hmm. Action without vision is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I, there's so much truth there, but that's an incarnational th- thought. That, that, that I mean, whether that person intended it to be or not, it is this body spirit, this body mind, this what we're made of. It's it's a soul and the matter. Mm-hmm. Those two have to come into contact in a moment. So what I'm doing now has to be connected with a vision of where I'm headed. As Christians, we should be saying we're headed to heaven. But as human beings, there's nothing. St. Thomas says we should try to plan for the future. But what I'm doing has to be connected to that future. Right. And the most alive we can be is when the most mundane thing that we're doing is now put in context of the future towards which I'm headed. Right. That is that is the incarnation. I mean, he came into time to act, but with the vision of where it was where he was headed all along. He knew where he was headed, but all these events that occurred in his life in the gospel, and in every Christian from that, is meant to be. Okay, we got God, we got heaven as our home, but he's also got a, something for us to do that only we can do in this life, and that our life is most meaningful, most exciting when we can somehow connect what we're doing in the moment with where we're headed, both eternally and on this planet, because they're all connected. The most alive people, you know, St. Ignatius, St. Irenaeus or St. Ignatius, I think it's St. Irenaeus, I don't remember, um, you know, said, you know, this is one version of it, but, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive. Um, different translations. But I've always said, what does it mean to be fully alive? To be fully alive means that every act that I have has either been dedicated to or offered to God because that's my ultimate goal. He's my end. But it's also addressing a situation that I find myself in in this moment, which he in his providence has me there to do. So if I'm doing dishes or doing laundry or working on a project at work or whatever I'm doing, if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, it's part of the plan working me and and my family towards that end, both heaven and where I'm headed next year. So there's nothing about we don't plan. Um, but I do think after this, I'll, I'll take my mom with Mystery of Parenthood. It's, it's something that's stuck with me. I may have said it before on the radio, but I'll never forget it. We were pregnant with Trevor, the oldest, first baby, and we was, it was a scheduled C-section. And my mom comes to town. And so Stephanie, about to have a baby the next morning, you know, has an you know, old recorder. You know, we didn't have phones that had the capability, she asked a question. So you have any advice for your grandson or granddaughter, whatever it was, we didn't know as a grandson, but do you have any advice for him? And she goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, I mean, any advice on life, on anything? And she said, she said, yeah, be flexible. And, and my wife said, well, what define flexibility, define being flexible. And she said, well, Okay, start off with a plan. You, you need a plan and work on that plan mm-hmm. with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. When you end up somewhere else, and you will end up somewhere else, pretend like that's where you're headed in the first place, <laughs> which is a, is a very human way of, of, of trusting in God's providence to direct you. Mm-hmm. He wants you to use your intellect and, and your will to move towards something, but often he redirects you. And you can't see that as failure. And you got to teach your kids this. You can't see the fact that I didn't end up where I was headed. Right. You know, if you'd asked me, I had a great conversation with Grayson, I think, three or four years ago. And, you know, you're always asking the questions. You're always directing. And then all of a sudden, you know, a kid like Grayson goes, so are you, are you like, are you living your dream? I mean, because I like, you know, follow your dream, make your plans, go, go where you think you need to go, where God's calling you. And I said, you know, it's interesting. If if you rewound 30 years plus 
I probably would say this is not my dream. But I can tell you, I don't I wouldn't ever want to be any place other than where I am right now. I would not want to change anything that's happened. And a lot has happened that's been bad. A lot of that has happened that's been scary. A lot of even more has been joyful and all of that. But so if you're asking me, am I living my dream? I'm saying, yeah, I'm living the dream now. But it's nothing like what I would have thought it was going to be at 20. So, so I've, I've been, in my mother's sense, flexible in that this is where I was. I was going to be a football. I was going to be a head football coach at a major college, you know. I mean, all, you know, all the plan. And, I mean, I look back and see this is, this is part of that. You know, I've heard that, you know, God draws straight with crooked lines sure. kind, kind of idea. Well, I mean, I, I look back and I, and I was petrified of speaking in front of anybody. I mean, two people. But I wanted to become, he gave me a desire to be a football coach so badly that I knew I was going to have to teach. And so it made me do something that I had to fight through because of that goal. Well, now, you know, we, Stephanie and I go and talk all the time. And I've talked in front of, you know, hundreds of people. Um, I'm comfortable on this. This is stuff I would never, if you'd talk to me when I was, 20 years old never would have done and I guess my point is sometimes God uses those desires and the plans that you're doing to get you to do something that you wouldn't do and then he reroutes you and that's being flexible allow God to to change your plan and this situation is one of those things it's changed lots of people's plans we'll see it for what it is God doing that. So anyway, um, I, I think that's another way of, of looking at it and, yeah. and recognizing that you're not, you, you're, you're, you're called to be in the moment, but that moment needs to be connected with the vision, both your eternal vision and the vision for however long, whether, whatever those are things are that are in there next week, what have I got to accomplish? You know, those type of things. But the extent to which we can integrate those whole, Jesus, Jesus was the perfect integration of all that. Mm-hmm. That's what the cross. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you probably have had some conversations with your your children over the over the years where maybe they've said that, well, I want to do this or this is my goal, and you've probably said, well, why? And then maybe they say, well, because I want to do this, and okay, well, why? And you I mean you're gonna that why question is gonna keep being asked or they're going to be able to ask themselves that question repeatedly right. never endingly unless they if, unless they have what they want to do in the near term connected ultimately to I want to get to heaven I mean that has to be the ultimate has to be the ultimate yes. plan and goal and, part and of if you that. don't have if you don't have what you're doing down here connected in a chain to right. that, you're not going to have meaning, right? And, for what you do, and 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 part of the lie I think is that that has sold to us, which I think this again it brings it to. There's a lot of mundane things. I mean, you can't. There's a lot of things that could have. I mean, I guess there are still things with with the internet and Netflix and Hulu and all that kind of stuff that could have. You could go lo- get lost in the binge of that, but I mean, sure, sure, but but. I think for most of us, you know, after those initial things, I mean, you start realizing, okay, I'm tired of that or I've watched all those. I mean, I, you know, and you start becoming bored and you're with one another. Um, you begin to recognize that um, I, I kind of lost my train of thought now. I don't know how I don't. Well, th- oh, here's where I think one thing that comes out of what you're saying. Um, one of the great joys for us and our family was just the, uh, just the sheer unpredictability of human interaction. Right. You, you just, when in a family of seven people, you just don't know what's going to happen next. Right. And there's a there's an excitement to that, and there's a um, enthusiasm to that, and um, a wonder, uh, and so so many uh, joyful, profound moments, and so many moments of giving thanks to God for that smile that broke across the baby's face, that 
right. funny thing that the three-year-old did, the non sequitur that the six-year-old yeah. had, um, the beautiful art artwork that the eleven-year-old and the twelve and the ten-year-old because yeah, they're were getting to do on. those. I mean, you get to you know? do you get to do those things as. As that, I think the games need... played as a family, the right and things running around outside, um, just the time spent together, all the cooking we did as a family, right? And and those are, and again, we have to see, and I think part of it is is that God's hand. I think well, you know, I've talked to my kids about like making those connections between now. I mean, obviously, you know, we've said over and over again, and it's been on many shows here that the idea of making an offering of the day and uniting what happens today with that is part of connecting that dot. But I think also helping your kids understand that as things happen, God is leading you through this life. And wherever he brings you, if you'll allow him to take you there, um, it's always going to be the best thing for you. Um, I mean, even at my age, there are things I can become worried about or concerned. And ultimately, you have to go back and trust that, okay, whatever happens, you know, as long as I do the best I can do, and even if the best I can do is not enough, that God's going to use that to, he- to, to bring me closer to him as long as I allow it and accept it and that we're moving forward. So where it's come up is, is you know, one daughter couldn't get to school, wanted to go to school, breaks her heart. I'm, and, and to actually hear her say, well, I, I guess this, you know, it hurts me. This is where God wants me to be. Or my son like saying, well, you know, what if I don't maintain a three, eight and can't get into medical school? I said, well, I mean, what if <laughs> it was part of that? The, what, what, what if, I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, you'll do something else. Um, and that'll be, but if you're doing what you're doing, God is, so I think there's a lot of like this self-determination that is part of the American, like I determine and there, and there is a sense in which we have to act and we have to use our will and, and take an idea and move forward. But we can never disconnect that from the fact that there is a God who loves us. That's trying to help us. And sometimes we may will something that is not the right thing, but he still can redirect us. Or we may think that's the end, and it's really not. It's just, per, it's just propelling you through something that you need to get through so that when you get rerouted, you can go back and go, hey, wow, that was, you know, I would never have done that if it hadn't been for that thing that I was chasing, that goal I was chasing. So to see this, to help them see that, See, help your parent, your as a parent, help your kids see that all these things are working together for your good. I mean, it's Romans eight twenty eight. All he's working all this out for your good. That doesn't mean that it's always going to feel good. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out the way you want it to work out. But as long as you're uniting with him, with and with his will, and as long as you're asking him to, giving him permission to act in your life. And as long as you're doing what you think you're supposed to do in the now towards the goal that you think, he's always able to make that work. And then you wake up one day, 30 years married later, and a kid asks you, are you living your dream? I said, well, yeah. I didn't know it was my dream, but I know it's, it's my dream now. That's part of the joy. It's part of the wonder of being a Christian because it's not all in my hands. And I... There's never been a time that I've been aware of. There have been moments in my life, but where a whole world is in a place where people recognize it's not in our hands. There's nothing we can do. It's this invisible enemy that we can't see. Maybe I've, ta- maybe I've already had it. Maybe I've passed it on to somebody. There are things that we don't know that's going on, and unless we have it in the context of an all-loving, all-powerful, providential God who is working all these things out for the good we've got to tell our kids that all the time bad things happen you're not protected from bad things look at the cross (laughs) that's part of the good news when a bad thing happens a great thing's about to happen yeah we don't know when but that's part of the wonder and when we see it on the other side i i mean 
we as Catholic parents have got to share that with our kids. We have to. That, that there is a certain level of excitement. If something bad is going on, something good's about to happen. Don't know when. It could be years. It could be minutes. But something amazing's about to happen. Because why? Because God is involved with our lives. He cares about you personally. And all you've got to do is give him permission to do what he wants to do and then do the best you can according to what you believe is the next thing I'm supposed to do and say, I want to get to heaven, Lord. And if you do all that, you're going to get there (laughs) and you're going to look up one day and turn back and go, how the heck did I end up here? I was being flexible Mm -hmm. by my mother's definition. That's what this whole thing, I think, points to as much as anything. We have to be flexible. We're in the middle of this craziness, and we don't know how it's all going to turn out, but God is in charge, and we need to tell our kids that. And that even when bad things happen, he's going to bring something good out of it. And we have to have hope. We have to have faith, trust in God, and then we have to love by being in the praise of faith, hope, and love. Those are the greatest ones. Well, this is a time. All life is, but this is a time of faith, hope, and love. Trust God. Hope something good's going to come out of it. Something great's going to come out of it. And then love, be in the presence of others. So anyway, a lot of rambling. Glad to be back. It's fun to talk to you, but, but, I, but I, um, hopefully it was some encouraging there in uh, St. Barnabas' um, shadow. So anyway, always remember, um, pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you and he will God bless